Welcome to a wild weird. Hey guys, welcome to the wild weird. I'm here with my wife Selena. Hi. And we have a couple of things we're going to talk about. So first thing is, is I know we're a little late to the game, but uh, we kind of have some opinions on the new Stranger Things. Uh, what do you think of it? I think it was okay. Really? Yeah. Same. It I mean, wasn't the best. I do think that they introduced some fun characters, but I think that ultimately. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a show. What? How? How long of a break was it between seasons? Like this season. And the last season. I don't remember. A year or two years, something like that. I think that. it was pre-COVID, right? Maybe. Like two, two, three years? Yeah. And, I mean, it was it was entertaining. I just think it's like the timing of, what, it was like the first big show to come out on Netflix in a while. And pe- the nostalgia of Stranger Things. And, like, um, I, I don't know. I just didn't care much for it. I know that's kind of like a hot take or a negative hot take or whatever it's called of – like criticism towards it but i mean i just feel like i think the worst thing i can say about it is that it was kind of boring well what did you find boring about it like if you could change something about it what would you change um, i think that like the emotional beats that they were trying to go for um i didn't like any of them as in like i didn't care about them at all like, Mike has had that same issue with Elle where he feels inferior to her for the entirety of the seasons, right? That's been the, it's been rehashed and rehashed. Like, I don't give a shit about Mike's insecurities. Let's talk about Will. Will's so much more of an interesting character than Mike. Well, I, I kind of get it though. I mean, I, I, for each character, I try to put myself in their shoes. Like, I can't put myself in the female character's perspective, really. Why? But, I mean, I can, but like, they're just deal with different issues at the different time. You know what I mean? So I they're guess, not, everybody's got their own. I understand their issues. I understand it, but I can't relate. I can only I relate guess. to what, you know, I can relate to. So Mike, that guy's got a girlfriend with superpowers that stronger than him physically and mentally, right? So, and then her trying to adjust to like modern world, like modern life, and then having like a more positive perspective on it. You know, like she she was just imprisoned by a scientist, and then now she has a life, and she seems like she's a little bit more positive and outgoing than he is. So it's like yeah. it's like watching an awkward teenage boy coming into his own, but also already feeling and infe- like feeling insecure mm-hmm. about himself and how he feels towards women, feeling inadequate. The thing is, so you is have like, a superwoman I this, get all that, that likes you. You, you don't. You, but, it's hard to. Think of why she does. Like I said, that's been hashed last season. That was his insecurity like last season, the season before that. You know what I mean? Like I don't care anymore. I think that's the reality though of like I, young but adults it's to adults. Boring. Like the thing is, is this isn't reality. This is a show that writers and directors decided what was going to be in it and what was not going to be in it. Yeah. And so even though in reality a lot of people have insecurities that go on for many, many years. That can still be a thing that happens, but I don't know why it was so forefront. You know what I mean? Like, why was that the entire California arc was 
will and or uh, was Mike's insecurity and will not wanting to like come out. Right. That was basically what that that tension was. I liked Will's story, but it was so much more focused on Mike. And we've done Mike. We've done it three seasons ago. You know, like we get it. dude. We get it. But it did. That's what I'm saying. It's like I felt felt like they didn't focus on it as much, though. I mean, I felt like they did. Like the, I guess the first what, the first interactions that he had with Eleven was like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever. We've made the long distance relationship in the '80s kind of work, you know? Yeah. Like talking on the phone, doing all that kind of stuff, and then kind of having the underlying, like, we're kind of sexual with each other, but you don't want to go too far with it in a TV show about teenagers. But you can kind of there's like that underlying sub innuendo for all of their sexual activities right except for will they just never talk about him being gay and or expressing well, they don't that. talk about it but they certainly hint at it very harshly that's a, yeah like but i feel like you would have to be pretty dense to not see what was going on there yeah but i mean and maybe the they're trying is, to go for the 80s though like they're trying to, like it was hard for people to come out in the 80s especially young yeah children. but this is a kind of tv show so it's supposed to you got to be realistic um, to the time in a way, even though it's like a fantasy I'm not show. saying that he should have come out. I'm saying. You're right. Yeah. I'm saying that um, they could have put more emphasis, 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 emphasis on it. Right. Like they already had some things going on. Like in the last season, Will was very much like in the background, like, ah, oh, you guys have all these girlfriends. I don't really care about girls right now. And, and, you know, or at all. I just want to, um, be with my friends right that's what his arc was was like trying to come to terms with everyone is moving on without him and now he's at a stage where maybe he's realizing his sexuality and he's trying to express that in some way i mean he, he drew that picture for for mike right he's trying to kind of like give gifts and give his effect, affection he does seem a little I, like I, and, I caught the vibe that he is a emotionally insecure and emotionally like underdeveloped yeah, but he's he was very much like traumatized you know yeah. and that's fine like that's a good angle to go from and i liked that um jonathan was there kind of realizing what was happening right like jonathan was understanding that will um you know like in that scene in the second to last episode he was talking about like oh you know l thinks you're so amazing and L would never want you to leave and L would never, like obviously he was talking about himself like he was saying it from his own perspective but like in putting L there just like how he said L wanted me to paint this picture for you even though she didn't even know what the picture was right yeah. she she wrote Mike saying that like oh you know Will's been um working on this painting but I don't know what it is I think it's for a girl and then uh, you know, he's making it for Mike. Yeah. And presenting it as if Elle commissioned him to make it for him. They kind of didn't go far with that, though. <clears throat> and that's what I'm saying. I wish they would have pushed that boundaries a little bit more, created a little bit more tension. And not even, like, so that Mike has to be aware. But maybe that um, – maybe Jonathan confronts him. Maybe uh, he has to – you know, maybe there is another person, maybe another love interest for Will. <laughs> you think they'll do that in the final season, though? Maybe. I don't know. May I f- it depends. I don't know what the... What a plot twist would have been if Mike, like, if Mike just, like, dumps Eleven 
and comes to terms. I with don't his think love that's going to happen. Um, and I don't want. That I think to he's going to die. Like, like I know this. Gonna, that would be stupid. This isn't really an episode about spoilers because we don't really know what's going to happen. But somebody's going to die. We know the characters that died this season. The, yeah. There's got to be a couple people that die next season. I, yeah. I, in my head, I think that either. Honestly, though, I, I don't think, think they're going to choose Will because that trope of barrier gaze. It's either is him or or like, Eleven as a sacrifice, right? Maybe. Like the the I forgot the kid's name, but the one with like no teeth and the curly hair, the short little chubby guy. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin's gonna live. That guy. Yeah. Is the, the, they're not gonna kill the black guy, right? He's mm-hmm. gonna live. And then the God, what's his? I'm pulling the blank. The guy is who they're trying to match up again with the older sister. Steve. Steve. Right. I don't think I, they'll kill him off. I hate that arc. I too. don't think they'll kill him That's off. That's an awful That's arc. not a bad arc. I hate it. It's not. I hate it. It's a good redemption story. No, it's not. It's a wish fulfillment from a bunch of nerdy assholes who think that no. the only reward that a man can have is in a woman. I do not think that. I think I, so. I think what it is, it is two people who met each other at the wrong period of their life and were not ready to be together. What happened was is that she was trying to be, what, go to college, trying to become a reporter. She's pushing herself to get to the next level. Like she's got uh-huh. goals that she wants to accomplish, right? And she needs to accomplish those goals. Him, his his goal is a personal goal. He's not ready. He's At the time, he was a douche. He was very angry, very sad. He was dealing with his emotional issues. He hasn't gone through the struggle to come out the end a better person. Right. And I get what you're saying. Like the arc is saying that like, oh, he, it's a, he's getting what he wants at the end. I don't think anybody's really going to get what they want at the end of this minus the town, just the side characters of the people that live in the town being alive. I really think that like, who knows? They might still not end up together. Maybe they're just tempting you with a little bit of something. I don't know. I've never. I don't because I've never watched anything else that the Duffer they're Brothers still young have shit, come dude. out. Like they're not gonna like. But not again, even... again, hun, this is a TV show with a narrative drive made by writers. Yes. So and it's got to end anything next season. that they put out, they're trying to say something with, right? Or maybe that's, so that's why he goes. He sacrifices himself Steve because he knows he's not going to be getting able to be... Nancy again after he's gone through first of all which first of all i don't even think that he's gone through his arc like i personally if i was writing this show which i'm not obviously if i was writing this show right he goes from wanting nancy being a real dickhead right and then he's um he goes and i don't remember what he does in season two he he gets with dustin right they become friends he kind of is like uh I, you know i understand my faults with nancy right and then in season three, he goes and tries he, – he befriends um, – Maya Hawke's character. I can't remember her name either. What's her name? Move on. Oh, anyways, the lesbian. <laughs> she, no, she's he, bi, isn't she? I thought no, she said she's she a lesbian. Bi. Strictly lesbian. Okay. Yeah. But – and he falls in love with her and – Tries to get with her, right? And then she's like, uh-uh. I'm I think at that point, like he, he's just trying to get – he's trying to fill, and then fill the in void. the season four, we see him going on serial dating, right? I think his arc should be that he needs to get himself out of a 
idea that he needs to be in a relationship. But he's, he's been communicating like so, that with her, and even her arc now is feeling like trying to be in a relationship. Like who? they're they're trying to get these needs Nancy, met. Yeah, they're trying to get these Nancy, needs. Nancy, I feel like her arc should be, and I'm not saying this is what they're going to do. I'm saying it's what her. I feel like her arc should be. Right? She went from um, feeling like she's not appreciated. Right? She, she was in that one uh, uh, journalistic career where they ever all the men were assholes to her. Um, and then Jonathan wasn't that understanding of it. Now she wants to go to college and get a career, right? Which is good. That's good. She's very good building. She's goal oriented. And she's being validated now for like hard work. Jonathan was going to follow her, but now he doesn't want to because he doesn't feel like that's his goal. He doesn't want, yeah, he doesn't want to just follow her dream and end up, you know, resentful and, and all that right which like is kind said. of admirable because in his it position is, yeah. most guys would just do whatever they can to satisfy her to stay with the woman that you think you're supposed to be with yeah but then for him he's like i don't know he i th- i feel like even though in the, the this season he is like a zoned out stoner pothead like he is the one person that seems like like he's where he wants to be mm-hmm. but he still doesn't know he's like i just don't know he's accepting of everything yeah, and I think that one thing, um, one thing I didn't like about this whole season is that nothing got resolved, right? That's the point. I get it, I guess. But I don't know how, like, it doesn't feel satisfying. You think like, they defeat satisfying. Vecna at the end and then they the town don't, is... I mean, like, I get that Vecna's still alive and that it just, it feels like a filler episode. Does that make sense? It's a filler like, season. Nothing ever happens. No one's, well, um, a lot of people die, shit though. got, well, so what? That happens in a lot of shows. Like, yeah, but characters none of the main like characters really, except for Eddie. And who knows? You know what I mean? He's such a popular character. They I think might bring him back. I, I don't think he, I think he's going to come back. I don't think he's going to come back as like a, an alive version of himself. I don't know. Maybe from like what they painted, painted at like in the reviews and in the comics is like he might come back as like some zombie version. Like that would he's be not fine be too. I don't care. I, I like Eddie as a character. I, I think he, that's a good actor. Oh, um, people liked him. People, he got the most, how would you say like surprised praise after the season mm-hmm. like people love this guy now joseph quentin i think what's his name something like that yeah yeah but i don't know i feel like we'll see what happens in the final season yeah but this season that was just like i thought i thought the arcs were nice i thought it was an okay I liked, show it was it was okay and that's what i'm saying it's, i went in with okay. no expectations i didn't like mm-hmm. expect it to be anything great going into like that's like going into watching a marvel tv show i'm yeah. gonna go in it with like suspending my like my disbelief anything crazy it's going to happen why should i be surprised if it does like just watch it and enjoy it and see what happens well, and I sometimes mean, when you do that you get really fine, surprised but i can still say that like i didn't have a lot of expectations for going into stranger things either but when is I the still last time you had I an went... expectation for something in a show and it didn't turn out how you wanted it to be because hmm. it never turns out the way you want it to be Right, that's the point of these shows, and there's a lot well, of. It's like, I mean, I it's think like that the there's, Sandman, right? there's, there's a, a lot of shows that I watch that I'm not really that sure about. Like I, I you know, I watched Attorney, uh, Extraordinary Attorney, uh, Wu Young Wu, Wu Young Wu, right? I went in there not even having any expectations. But that's a that's a that was a really good. show. That's a procedural lawyer show. That's like Korean Law and Order so, with comedy. I mean, it wasn't really, but yeah, it's a it's a procedural. Well, it's not meant to have a in depth lawyer. Plot. Um, it does have an in-depth plot, though. It's not meant to be, like, any large... It's not They're not a, pulling the strings and twisting things. Like, the twist no. of the show is somebody gets hit by a car afterwards that you never thought was going to get hit by a car. That's what those shows do, right? So, you can, like, you can expect to be surprised, 
but it's not meant to be but super what complex. I'm saying is is that it's been a while since I've gone into a show expecting anything. Well, I don't think anybody right? should go into a show expecting anything besides being good. That's like in my my mind. It's like what well, I, I mean, thought. That's of, not necessarily true. When um, the Avatar: The Last Airbender show comes out, I'm gonna have expectations because I've seen the original, and I have. I think you'd be disappointed if you have expectations. Like people who got disappointed when the last one came out. They were the last one was shit. You didn't know you it was going to be shit. You should be disappointed because it was shit. But you didn't know it was going to be shit prior to watching it. No, right? no one did. Everyone yeah. thought, oh my gosh, it's uh, – uh, what's his face? It's going to be so good. I don't know. He I, did, you know, Sixth Sense. Amazing. Oh, I'm nice, Shyamalan. Yeah, I, that's the thing. It's like as long as you go in with an open mind and it's okay to be – disappointed because it's some like if yeah i don't think that you have an obligation to like a show no i have an obligation to want to like a show though. i want to like like i i told myself prior to lord of the rings coming out like i want to like the show like i i've been hyping it up in my head for so long i feel like to to validate the amount of energy i've spent thinking about it that i it has to be good yeah right so like last week when the first two episodes got released like, awesome because there's two. I I learned as a person who's not like deeply knowledgeable of like Tolkien mm. and uh, everything he wrote about Lord of the Rings. Like, I felt like I learned a lot, and I didn't think like it was needed for me to be extremely knowledgeable to know or even That's watch good. the first like three movies in The Hobbits. Yeah, like I felt like that wasn't really needed. It's trying to like like I felt like it was trying to build on characters you, that like Galadriel, which is the the. Lady Elf that was in the Lord of the Rings movies, like the one that this, the woman that the woman that Gandalf was trying to get with, that was tempted by the ring and then went back against it. Yeah, and so it's based on her and her like her backstory uh, from her as a child, briefly to as a young woman. And they don't even pinpoint like she doesn't have any elvish powers yet. She just is a warrior. She's like a commander at like mm. like her infantry. Well, then maybe this is a story about how she gets them. Well, who knows? They got five. They're gonna have five seasons of it, right? Yeah. So it's like they'll have plenty of time. And the, but they throw in these characters that you don't really know anything about, trying to get you to care for them, right? And one like like and then it builds uh, El, Lord Elrond, which is the guy who uh, from the movies that. They show fighting the battle against Sauron, him getting his ring, his uh, finger chopped off with the ring on it. And then he's the one that's like there when every, like in Fellowship of the Ring where all the nations, uh, like Orlando Bloom, the dwarf, uh, Frodo and all them meet up in Rivendell. He's the yeah. head elf, that guy, the guy that plays the Agent Smith in the Matrix. And so this is like a younger version of him where he's kind of like unsure of himself uh-huh. and they kind of, like somebody comes – he kind of admires like a blacksmith or like a like a, a smith of some sort and the smith has an idea of like what – like I want to create – he's an artist. He's like, I want to create the most powerful, magical, like amazing weapon ever. Like it's going to change the world. And they don't even necessarily say it's a ring. They don't ever strictly say it. You just kind of like, oh, is this how – like this is the guy who like comes up with the idea just basically out of creation and like an artistic thought like – he did. He, he seemed. He seems well intentioned, but also at the same time, he just seems like I'm just an artist trying to make my best work, and that's where the rings go. But also, if Sauron's the one that creates these rings, like or distributes the rings, this guy who might be good might be on the side working with Sauron, or like 
okay. knowing something. So I think what they're doing now is that it's only two episodes. Yeah. But they're establishing relationships. How Elrond has a relationship with the prince of a dwarf, uh, dwarf kingdom. His name is Durin. And kind of like they didn't see each other for 20 years. He missed his wedding. He missed uh, the uh, Durin's kids being born, all this stuff. So he's mad at Elrond. But Elrond's like, oh, 20 years is nothing to me because I'm an elf. But then the dwarf, like, this is like a lifetime for me. And mm-hmm. you missed all the good memories and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of like creating these dynamics of like, oh, the reason why the elves even came to Middle-earth was literally just to hunt down Sauron. Then they gave up on the search because they thought he was dead. Huh. And it shows their backstory of where they came from, from Valinor, I think that's what it's called. But like where the elves originally came from and like how it's like this perfect, beautiful land that's kind of like separated by like a magical portal that – when you have a mission to leave and go help, you can't come back until your mission's accomplished. But then they have ceremonies of coming back. And it's it's super cool. Like it's just like it for me, have I couldn't looked, criticize uh, it a lot. Have you looked a lot into that? Like have you looked into like the how the show was created? I wonder how much Tolkien has that had well, a I know with this it. there's like from what I've been watching in reviews, it's a lot of like things taken from pages he wrote that, that were like strictly that were never books. Some were like epilogues, some were like just writings that he had okay and i could be wrong but like they a lot of it is like writers uh-huh. and tolkien's work okay and i think it's good it's obviously very expensive because the the cgi and the graphics are insanely good the actors are really good everybody seems well casted i'm not even like i wasn't even critical of like like you know in the previous uh lord of the rings movies and the hobbits movies you didn't get a lot of mixed races yeah. Right. You got a black elf in this one. You got a black female dwarf who's married to the uh, a redheaded dwarf prince, uh-huh. and and it's so just well meshed in, and you don't think about it. Like it's yeah. like I don't think I've seen any Hispanic looking elves or dwarfs yet, but like it's it's nice to know they don't highlight these little things. It's just like just put them in there. The actors are good. Let's put it in there. Make a good show. And I'm really excited. I think the new the next episode comes out on Friday, Thursday or Friday. Mm-hmm. But is it going to be like a weekly thing? Yeah, they just released the first two episodes yeah. in the first week. But who's creating that? Paramount Plus or no? Uh, uh, HBO, uh, HBO no Pri- Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon. Uh, and then you got like and then I watch House of Dragon, which is a completely different kind of animal. Like it's. I, I've been hearing a lot of criticisms on different because everybody was talking about it from different podcasts and yeah. uh, kind of like, oh, well, I like it. Some people are like, oh, because it was the most viewed HBO series. Like more mm-hmm. people viewed the first two episodes of Game of Th- uh, of House of Dragon than the previous Game of Thrones. It's the most oh, watched Game of Thrones thing ever, uh, premiere wise. And so watching it, you're like, oh, it's, it starts off really slow because you know nothing about these characters and yeah. they're kind of boring. Like, you're like, I'm supposed to care about these characters. Uh, like the king, his brother, Matt Smith is probably the most intriguing character who plays like. Matt a, Smith is a good actor. He is. And like, this is, is all, these characters are based off of, you know, some of the writings, the Song of Ice and Fire and stuff like that from, uh, what's his face? The guy who, George R. R. Martin, I think that's yeah. his name. And, um, and the first episode, kind of like, oh, Good pace gives you a little bit of dragon, you know. It's like it's watchable. It's good, good acting. Very, I, I get like a kind of British. Everybody's got British accents so far, and uh, 
And then the one thing that kind of threw me off was I think it was the most recent episode, spoilers, uh, that they took a character that played a character uh, in Game of Thrones, which takes place a, like – I think what, like a 200 years later? Is it later? meant to be the same character? No. no same actor, different character. And they even talked about it, like, on a podcast. He plays, a, he plays one of two twins. Like I said, he plays like a brother and a set of twins. And they're like, this guy came back to play a different character that might be in his lineage, but like, he just came back to play a different character, even though he was a character in Game of Thrones. He just has Why a beard and longer hair now. That's crazy. I didn't even think about it though, until, yeah. the, until I was listening to something. I mean, maybe it's a smaller character, so they didn't think anyone would notice. He was, he was kind of like, okay. So the, the, the most recent episode, the king married and had a child with, uh, is having, ch- had a son and is having another child with his daughter's like best friend Ugh. because he had to choose, uh, Either this, I think it's called the, this family that lives by the ocean. They're kind of like this, they're called the sea snakes or something. I don't know. But like, um, he, he had to choose between them and choose between, uh, all these other houses. And he didn't want to because his wife died. He feels all this extreme guilt from the t- decisions he's made about like how, uh, this is going to affect his family. And so he ends up choosing, uh, one of the less evils. And so in this episode, it's like how forgotten his daughter's gotten or things she's gotten. And then him going to another kingdom to kind of present himself to her side of the – like her side of where uh her kingdom is and her father's kingdom, which he's actually friends with. He married his friend's daughter who's like, Ugh. you know, 12 years old or something. Or like she was young. And – uh and so he goes there, and it's like an odd experience. He's drinking a lot. He doesn't really like it. He's doing all the shit yeah. he doesn't want to do. And then that guy, the guy who plays the same character in another game with, in Game of Thrones, is like present. He's a Lannister, like one of the like a ancestor of the Game of Thrones characters, uh-huh. like Cersei and the dude that fucks like the yeah, siblings that fuck each other. And and he presents the king with a gift, saying like offering that he wants to marry his daughter because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying; she's the heir, and they're trying to establish her with somebody. And she's refusing, and uh, doesn't want to do it. It's not on her thing. And yeah, they're kind of paying this guy as an asshole. But I don't know. It's like it's like one of those shows that you really have to sit down and just absorb it and watch it slowly. Because you get some dragons, some fighting at the end. Yeah. Like with uh, Matt Smith's character. and But that's really it. Otherwise, like I when I'm it's watching it, I like really – like a political intrigue. Yeah, it's show. very political intrigue. And I'm sure – it's getting more exciting as each episode goes by, it seems. Like mm-hmm. they're putting more action in. There's a lot more happening. But like Game of Thrones was like each episode, some, somebody got fucking killed and there was something like crazy happening. The writing was so good in the first couple seasons. And this is just like going really slow. Oh, I and see. I feel like you're going to have some people losing interest in it and kind of maybe stop watching it. But apparently people are still tuning in every Sunday to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll do well. Yeah. And, and you can never know until, you know, it's it's a new thing. So maybe the writers are trying to hit their stride. Still. You still got to watch it, though. I'm telling I'm you, you should check it out. I'm not going to watch it. I didn't watch Game of Thrones, and I don't really want to watch this. You watched some Game of Thrones with me. Only because you had it on. Yeah, that's true. And I think it was. A, I think I only watched – my first watching of Game of Thrones was the final season. 
like half of the season before and then i dived into the final season mm. and then but i had to go back and watch some of it i still haven't watched every episode of game of thrones yeah it's just not my thing yeah it's but not um i'm not a high fantasy type person but i highly suggest if you guys haven't had a chance to watch uh House of Dragon, watch it. Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, definitely watch that. That's getting, like, I'm excited for that one. That one just seems like, the fact that it's got four more seasons, they're just, like, I'm gonna be probably 40 by the time <laughs> Lord of the Rings plays out. Are we gonna get some movies in between? Like, I don't know. Like, isn't that weird to think, like, we're gonna be, you're gonna, you're 26 right now. 25 you're 25 yeah oh yeah right i'm 31 sorry i forget how old we are <laughs> and uh so like the thing that like before we're done watching like all the avatars because they're making a couple of those isn't it crazy that we are like i'm surprised in an era in which dedication is needed to watch like large amounts of movies but if it's good I think it sticks. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't I feel know. Like I mean, like, at what point are we just watching things because that's the only thing that we're we're able that bored, to watch? man? We got nothing to do. You think of Marvel. Like, how if we had other options, how many people would still be watching Marvel? I, I still think Marvel is. We're waiting on something that Marvel to put because, like, you gotta think. Like, they got lucky, and that when they released Iron Man, that Iron Man was good. Yeah, the first Iron Man stuck. Everybody believed that Robert Downey Jr was Iron Man. Well, I think that they did a good job. I and I'm not even saying that Marvel is like doing bad movies. They're not. You know, not all of them are bad. I some just don't think are, it doesn't I, seem I, like I, I enjoy some of the Marvel movies. I'm just saying that it's been over ten years now. But doesn't it seem you like know? each like thing they do and they put less not effort stopping. into and they're trying to like like they're trying to push more quantity than quality. Uh yeah, I could say that. I mean I think like, I'm the, not hating, the like, uh, give TV me all of the shit, like, stuff. Yeah. I'm glad that we're taking a break from Star Wars, though, too. Not, not. I want more Star really? Wars. We're getting more Star Wars. I know, but I'm glad like, that Andor the, comes out this month. Is, That's going to be awesome. I'm glad that they took a break because then I'm, like, a little There's bit no more excited. There's, like, a three-week, two-month break about? between Obi-Wan and the, the next Andor thing that comes out in, like, a week. It comes out, I think, later this week on Thursday. Did I miss something, then? No, Andor. No, I'm saying... The uh thing before that, before Andor. You watched Obi One. I did. I didn't think it was that. I guess it's been a while. That was like a three month ago. Was I think it? I, I think it ended I like late. Oh, I think it was done. I think about a month. There's a month difference because I think it ended late July. But still, because if you think about like Marvel, we've had basically just back to back. You yeah. know, and maybe two weeks to three weeks. In you don't really them. get a break. You don't get a break to like. What's the next Sit Marvel back. thing? Because we got She-Hulk no that's idea. going on right now. Andor's coming. And then, well, we had Thor. Thor which I think, Thunder. Yeah, which I think is coming out on Disney Plus uh, day after tomorrow on Thursday. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm going to watch it. I still haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. I, I like, I'm going to watch it because um, I really like Taika Waititi. But. He didn't get a lot of good criticism with this, though. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why it's coming out. Like, okay, so like, I, and this is just stuff I've read. So I'm not speaking for everybody. And I can't judge it until I see it. But according to the articles, a lot of people think that Taika Waititi went a little bit too far making Thor this character. Kind of making – like they – from – and also and – and, you know, I'll come Do back like and I'll get my opinion on it. Or? That they – he basically 
made jokes constantly throughout the movie. Like every character's dialogue was like a a joke punchline. I see. And to some people, they don't want that. And I, I yeah. mean, I haven't seen it yet, so I'll judge like when I do. But like, the, it just didn't hit well, a, with I mean, a lot of people. I guess it could be an issue if there isn't enough serious dialogue. You know that you don't feel connected. I just think that's odd because he's done such really great things mixing comedy and drama together. Well, like look, look at like um what they did in Endgame, right? Like Thor. Uh, they don't kill Thanos. The beginning of the movie, he chops off his head. He goes back to New Asgard. Uh, basically lets himself go, just drinks every day, plays video games with his friends. Uh And then, uh, Hulk and Rocket Raccoon show up. And he's just a fat, dirty, disgusting alcoholic. He's basically Jeff Bridges from the Big Lebowski. Right? And just let himself go. He's given up. Like, that's a good trope because it's funny. And it kind of takes him away because everybody saw Chris Hemsworth as like Thor, like sex symbol, well, like girls want to fuck him. Now him he's to build up to something again, right? Yeah. Like he's he's going through a depression, he's going through some grief and loss. He needs to, you know, it's his struggle. This is his character development. Yeah, this is how he's coping with everything that happened and feeling yeah. like he didn't do enough to defeat Thanos. And he lost his mom. He lost his dad. He lost his brother. Loki's gone. He doesn't know where Loki went. Yeah. Right. So he's just like. Well, Loki did die. Yeah. I mean, the the Loki from the Loki TV show isn't the Loki that died. Yeah, it's another variant version of it. So it's yeah. like it's like he's to never him, experienced to him. He's alone. Jane's gone. He doesn't even have her. Yeah. And even in the movie, apparently, spoilers that they don't even end up together at the end. Okay. Right. That's so, fine. but he ends up getting like an adopted child out of it. So Thor goes through all this stuff and ends mm. up becoming the father figure, right? Okay. Which, like, is relatable in a way. Yeah. Like, it's, like, good for him. He Like, he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah. But kind of got what he needed. Okay. And it's kind of like a representation of real life. A lot of us don't get what we want. Or think that, like, what you want is what you want, but you really don't. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's it's not bad to be in a place where you have no idea what you want. But that's I, – I feel like I'd rather be there than being in a position to where I think I want something that I don't and I'm kind of thrown down a path of of chasing something that I really don't want. Because all I really want to do, to be honest, all I really want to do is just hang out with you and the kids and then talk on the podcast. Yeah. That's all I want to do. I don't think that anything's like wrong with that or wrong with other people wanting to do follow their dream, do what they want to do. But nobody I feel like why do we care so much about like what other people are constantly doing? You know, because it's like we're ingr- taught to because it's a capitalistic society that's built off of consumption. Yeah. I feel like I've consumed you know, you a lot in the first 30 years of my life. You have to make more money in order life. to consume more in order to appear more wealthy and influential. Yeah. Thank God for you and the kids. Because if we didn't, like, if it wasn't for you and the kids, I feel like I'd just go down a path of, like, constantly consuming and not be able to, like, look back. Mm-hmm. I, this, I would say that is something I suck at the most is to be able to reflect, right? Okay. It's like, because all my reflection moments that happen now are, like, when I'm with the kids. And then I have to, and then I'll be like, oh, I'll see other people's kids or I'll see, people the way they act around them and i'll i'll see how like my behavior is and i'll look at them like oh yeah i kind of like not let them be like this like and i can only control so much but to think of like what can i do to help our kids be just happy 
functional children with the curiosity to learn. And do you feel like uh, hanging out with other parents and other kids uh, like helps put your own family in perspective? Yeah, I think it not in a way validates me, but like when I see other people around their kids and it just it, it reminds me that like everybody raises their kids differently mm. and everybody's very opinionated about how they raise their kids. Yeah. You know, and it's nobody's place to tell other people how to raise their kids. Like I don't want people to – I'm not – it's like I feel like we. it's it's good to step in whenever you witness and see like physical abuse. And like mental abuse or emotional abuse. And, but like when you see somebody raising their child the way they want to raise them, like making their child go play soccer when the child wants to go play baseball, you know, sucks. Can't do anything about it. Yeah. That's their struggle. That's their life. And hopefully the parents can not repeat the cycle. Like, and we're all doing the same thing. We're all just trying our best. Yeah. Like, I, there's times when we think we're making a smart, like a smart, responsible decision for our kids. And then, we're like, oh, that was not a good idea. Or everybody goes through that, you know? And it's never going to end. Our kids are four and a year and a half. Like, I, I, I take no, I get no, like, I take, when people tell me, like, oh, Greg, you're a good dad. You know, you're, you're a very good dad. I'm like, I don't know. I've kept them alive for four years. And my kids are happy. But, like, I don't even think, like, you should give any parent credit, really, until you die. And then be like, oh. During the duration of their parents' life, they weren't in jail. They can go to jail now. I'm gone. Just like <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that I kept you alive and out of jail all the way up until my death is success. I mean, uh, that's kind of a low meter to, to no. judge off of. Because well, what, what, like, what really matters? Like, what, what's like, what is the one thing that at the end of this matters? Our kids' happiness. Whatever they're doing, who cares what they're doing? Whatever makes I agree, them happy. But I think that it's just funny that your judgment of that. Let is, me ask you, what is, do you uh, want? Like out jail, <laughs> jail. Yeah. If you have a job and you're paying your bills and whether or not taking care of yourself or like their families, if they have kids, like that's a success. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's hard to do that. Like I used to think when I was younger, living in a duplex with my parents and both my brother and sister, I thought like, oh, this could be better because all my friends had nice shit. They like I had friends that lived in big houses with their parents, had all the toys, all the video games. Their dad was cool. Their mom was super cool. And I'd be like, oh, you guys are just – oh, in my head thought you're better than me because you have these things. And I wanted these things. But it was all an illusion. And the only reason why I thought that is because I compared my family to the families I saw on Nickelodeon or the Disney Channel. Yeah. Right? And And – when I got old enough and had my own kids, you realize that's not realistic and it's kind of stupid. Like I think anybody now, when I see – like I don't think of like when I see somebody in a car full of kids in a 1995 Toyota Camry, I don't think of like that person sucking at being a parent. I'd be like, at least they're trying. Like yeah, I, I just see yeah. – as long. I mean it's it would be uh, wrong to just say that a person is not being a good parent because they're not rich. I mean, that's... I think as long as your kids are happy, you're not hurting your kids. Yeah. Like, people... Like, no matter what we do, we're going to fuck up our kids. Our kids are going to end up in a therapist's office talking about what we didn't do. <laughs> every, every fucking kid's going to do that. I'm doing that right now. But I could still, at the same time as talking to a therapist, like, I could still appreciate what my family did for me. 
Yeah. And, and, and be realistic about the things that they couldn't provide for me because of how they were raised. Okay. You know, yeah. and I, I think now realizing as, as a 31 year old man, realizing that, you know, my, my parents did what they could, the best they could, mm-hmm. but also knowing like, I don't feel shame or regret or anger towards them for not being what I wanted them to be. You know what I mean? Like my mom couldn't be a certain type of parent that I wanted to be because of personality, addiction, problems that she – emotional problems she was dealing with in her life throughout her life up until she passed. Yeah. And that's who she was, you know. And I wish when she was around I was more accepting of that. I, I wish I, I wish I was yeah. more accepting of who she was instead of thinking that I want her to be something else. Mm-hmm. But I still loved her and respected her because she was always there for me despite everything. And there are people out there that are in way worse situations or don't have their parents around or their parents never like were there for them like my parents were. Yeah. And my parents were there for me the best they could be. And I think that's just how that's just how it is sometimes. Sometimes you just don't get what you want and you get what you need and, or you get what's enough. And I feel like my parents did enough. I'm not yeah. I'm not the worst person like I'm not in jail. I'm not a physically violent person. I get stressed out easily, but I feel like overall it could have been worse. You know, <laughs> I could have been, my parents could have were, could have done something that put me into a worse situation. Like whether um, like in foster care or something else. I have family members that were in foster care and their parents made decisions that made them not be able to have them. Yeah, you know, I, took their I took them down a different path. Although I don't know if it's really fair to judge your feelings based off of if your parents, you know, like the worst case scenario for your parents. See, it's good that you have acceptance that your parents are who they are, and you're not going to change that. I mean, we're not going to change your parents. That's just well, how it let is. me ask you: Do you have acceptance of who your parents are? Yes, but maybe not in the same way that you do. I, I don't think anybody has the same. No, way of, of how course they do not. Their I you know I accept my parents as they are, and I accept that. You know, but, there's just things that we're not going to agree on, and we're not going to talk about, and that's, that's how, fine. But that's how but it is. Let's compare that to where, like, I, I try to think of like I can have conversations with my dad about political stuff, points uh-huh. of points of view, perspectives, and me and him can have completely different beliefs on everything. Yeah, right, and. And some families or some – like some people can just end up hating that person afterwards just because they have a different perspective. Some people, yeah. And at the end, what happens is my dad just asked me, like, hey, did you watch the Blazers? Did you watch this game today? And I'm like, yeah. It goes yeah, back to that. I that's mean, how that's it nice. is. It's like, that's how it should be. That's how you should be able to have the con- – I do think that that's right because, you know, we shouldn't base our – I mean there are things that obviously, you know, if you have differing of opinions on political and or moral – morality and things like that then they're just things that you're not going to be able to talk about and agree on that's okay and though. that's fine if you feel like you want to argue those things with your parents then go ahead but, but if you don't there i think people don't remember that there are so many other things to talk about than politics and religion and yeah and all of that right like it should be like maybe the like last 
last two to three things on importance on a list, like, I like think top ten. I, that, that's one thing that I'm like, as a culture, I think we've we've steered toward this idea that we need to talk about these things with everyone, right? Like even even your work, the people you go to work with and things like that, they're like asking you about your political beliefs. And I'm like, I remember a time where like no one asked me about anything that about political activism or my own like which side I'm on or however, you know, you want to say it. Um Do you think, what do you think is the youngest, like, how, what is like the youngest age of a person you think that talks about politics? Because when I was in high school, uh, I don't think anybody, at least people, my friends who I hung out with, we never talked about politics or gave a shit. Yeah, you occasionally I got the George it, Bush joke, depend. but like probably Obama um, was when we started because, talking like, about it. Because like I feel like I feel like even like six year olds nowadays are talking about politics. Yeah, that's not good. Um, they shouldn't give a shit about politics. I don't know. It just depends. Depends on what. It depends Why on should a six-year-old give a shit about politics? Well, some kids are a little bit more mature or have mature interests. So why is, wait, why is politics a tie to maturity at a certain age? Because it is. How? Because there's complex issues that are very, And a six-year-old should worry about those complex issues? I think that some six-year-olds have an interest in that. I'm not saying all six-year-olds need to. I'm not saying every single six-year-old needs to talk about politics. What are six-year-olds Just, doing? Thinking that, you know, some, some kids are interested in that. So, you know, uh, there are six year olds and seven year olds who want to go to parades and, and to, you know, want to go out and do, um, activism. Yeah. Because why? that's something that they're passionate about. It's because they see it every day on social media because they have a Facebook. Maybe, but I mean, even before that, there were kids who were interested in that. And where do you think that, you like, know, there's, there's kids who, um, like, would you want our children? Being an activist at six years old? If they want to. What, what are they going to do? I'm talking about the kids who like have interests in school where they're like, oh, I want to join the school, you know, uh, what are they called? They don't have that in first grade. Yeah, they do. Not in first grade, but in- That's what, in, that's in how old a six-year-old is. Grade first school, grade. they do. They'd have, you know, uh, they talk about- A first-year-old should be trying his best not to piss his pants at school. That's what a six-year-old should be doing. But Reading books. I think that Using their imagination. I, I wouldn't even want because my child are, to worry you know, about politics. six-year-olds and seven-year-olds who uh, organize drives at their schools, right? Because they're interested in that. I would say maybe like nine they to ten-year-olds. Have... Six-year-olds seem pretty young to be organizing political like, it seems event. like it, but you hear stories about kids and, you know, oh, the first grade class decided to do a whole, like, can drive for – underprivileged kids or yes, whatever right the, wh what how do you I'm think they is, get is not that every kid needs to have an interest in politics and not every kid needs to talk about politics but there are specific kids who have that interest that is true but i feel like I, and i'm not trying to judge i just feel like if you notice your kid has like a huge interest in politics and is knowledgeable about it at six years old like kudos to him because he's probably like him or her because they're that smart. There are, but like um, you should be topics, really diverting your kid to just focus on other that things. That are a little bit mature. Should a six or seven or eight year old probably shouldn't be? You know, being exhausting that child's going to be to be around. Probably, but there are kids who are like that. There are kids who are very smart and have lots of questions about things, there are, and they're exhausting to be yeah, around. There are kids that are very smart but still eat their boogers. You know what I'm saying? There like, are, yeah. And that, to each throne, really. I mean, I'm not going to fault a kid who wants to do that. I just, I just remember, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be super nostalgic, but I remember a time whenever 
people who would marry each other and have two different political points of view and it mm. didn't matter. It didn't. Well, I think we that treat politics nowadays uh, or, or at least back then there was a lot more agreement between the two parties and today there just isn't. Well, we treat politics or whatever side we're on politically like they're our football team. Like you just want them to win. You might I not guess. even have a jersey. I, this be- is what I'll say is that I think that there isn't necessarily anything wrong with um, not wanting to like marry someone who has directly opposite moral views than you. Like if you're a Christian, it would be kind of weird to marry an atheist, right? But it depends but, on how you for one how, and it's circumstantial. I mean, it's circumstantial to the couple and their personalities because maybe they're just like not that serious about it. But if you're like a staunch Christian, like you're like a, you know, you go to church every Wednesday and Sunday and you read the Bible all the time and you pray at dinner, right? You're probably not marrying an atheist. And the, to the same yeah, the odds, section, the odds aren't great. if you are a uh, staunch liberal and you have very strong views about you know, women's rights and, um, uh, other human rights, um, then you probably aren't going to have that much contact with or that much interest in someone who is a staunch Republican, right? Or staunch. But you also got to think too, like, like, people are more than that. that It can never happen. And I'm not saying that personalities don't have, you know, there aren't people like that. I'm just saying that you probably don't have that many circles that are in common. I think people are lazier. What do you mean? I think for one, you look at somebody on the surface and be like, oh, they're a staunch Republican and I have liberal views, right? So you stop yourself there from even getting to know them. For one, the most important thing about this individual is their political belief at this point. Where you but go- I, I don't think that isn't correct because – Well, it stops I'm, the interaction. You know, I'm you a liberal, separate right? I don't think I couldn't be with someone who's a racist or who is anti-gay or who is anti-women's well, obviously, rights. but that's not being conservative. You just but, put those – But those are political beliefs of the conservative of side. Of some political people of the, in the conservative side. Like alt right, right? That mm. is there, but that doesn't make the evil so, people. So um, they're just people that believe something that is not good, and they can be different. They they're that way right now, but by labeling them that and just quitting on them, I don't have to marry them though. No, no, but you automatically you can be like no. I'm friends with Republicans. I'm friends with people, you know, even people in my family who are very conservative. I still talk to them. I still have conversations with them, you know, and we don't talk about politics a lot, well, but that's okay. And it's no different. I'm than not like- going to marry them because having them in your home and constantly having to fight about politics sounds exhausting. Yeah, but I think you jumped a little bit too far with the marriage thing. I just think like if you're automatically not going to have a conversation with somebody, like let's say you you get set up on a blind date with somebody. And you read their bio and you have all these things in common. You got like the same interest in books, same television, uh, activities, hobbies, things like that. Mm-hmm. And you go talk to them and you're having this great conversation. You're getting to know each other's personal lives. You can relate to each other. You're just having a good conversation. And this seems like it can go somewhere. Then you hear their political belief. Now you cancel out everything else. Maybe. It depends that, on their political right? beliefs. Because, because now – the political belief has such an importance on their social rating that 
you. But it's not just social rating. And I'm going to go back to the example of like a person who is a Christian, like a staunch Christian, who marries somehow an atheist, right? Now, imagine that you are making dinner, right? And you go to do your prayer and your partner over here scoffs at you. They're like, oh, Bless is a bad relationship. Right? Well, let's say you go do your prayer. Or think about this. If you are a Christian, you're married to an atheist or even someone who's agnostic or someone who's just not as Christian as you. And you want your, your child, children to believe the way that you do. Right? But you're, your partner's like, well, I want them to make their own decision or I want, you know, I don't want them to be Christians or whatever it is, right? Now you have this huge conflict and tension in your life about the morality of your children. You as a Christian believe my children need to believe this way, otherwise they're not going to heaven. But the thing is though, I think a lot of things change on both sides. Like that if you marry somebody, like you both know that you're obviously different individuals with different beliefs, moral beliefs, things like that. But you have the same thing in common Mm -hmm. is what you love each other, right? So what happens when you love some, when you love a person is that you put the needs of them ahead of each other. It's a game of give and take, right? It's like, it can be, but what if your need you feel is so strong in your life that you cannot break it? Well, then you got to have that, right? You got to have that conversation with the person. There are people who are out there like that. But there are people and I think that marry each other just, outside their religions and it does, made it yeah. work because they love each other. Yeah. That their love for each other is more important than everybody but else. I'm, that's not, I'm that's just circ- saying that for it everybody. does – it takes special people for that to work out. That's I th- what I'm I think saying. it's capable and for everybody as long as they communicate. so many people who convert um, religions once they get married. You know, there's people who convert to Judaism or there's people who convert to Muslim or – is. Muslim and why do they do it? They do it out of love. Nobody converts their religion for the sake of it. Yeah, Some people do. do it for the sake of booty. I get that. But then there there are people that because they genuinely love the person that they would rather but convert their belief I understand, to be with somebody. But that's for the rest what I'm life. saying is those people wouldn't have converted their religion unless they were with that person, oh, right? Completely. So in that aspect, they're giving up fundamental things about themselves in order to not have conflict. Yeah. And there are people and that's that literally what I'm sacrifice is that relationships. It's really with hard it. to have two different political and or religious and or whatever beliefs. Of course, it's hard. In I'm a not relationship. saying it's not hard. I'm saying it just takes. And so, and not only that, but like, imagine. I mean, it'd be really odd for those people to meet, anyways, right? No. Life happens. Life does happen, but it's usually people. I, who... I, I think. It, I think everything you're saying is logical. It makes sense. Yeah. I just would like to think that. That the most important thing in humanity is, as cheesy as it sounds, is connection. Like, I knew meeting you that we were different. Like, there was an age difference. There was a stage of life difference. I had, I was dealing with a lot of insecurities at the time, thinking like, is this girl even going to like me? Mm-hmm. But I told myself, was like, okay, well, you're going to do this differently than you did every other relationship and see what happens. It's the one time I told myself, give it a shot. And don't put expectations, right? Yeah. If I added any expectations to a relationship on top of maybe whatever expectations you might have had or lack of, I don't know. But it would have made things either dramatically more complicated, complex, and this might not even have gotten this far. We might not even have taken the time to hang out with each other to get to know each other. Yeah. Right? But going into our relationship, I I thought that like – 
okay, we'll see how this goes. And the first date, we're just conversating, right? We got to, we talked about a lot of shit in our first couple of dates. We just talked about each other's lives. Yeah. We had, we watched a couple movies, which can't do a lot of talking during movies. And then we ate Chinese food in my old apartment together and just hung out with my cats. Yeah. Like we just talked. Yeah. With no expectation of anything. Except we kind of – I think when you when you have that underlying attraction, when you're like, oh, I'm attracted to this person, and I think they know that I am, and I – you know, it reciprocated back and forth. But then also with that level of conversation, you kind of like, okay, we like being around each other, both because of the conversation and because the other person looks mm-hmm. nice. To be, and – I mean, but you have to – if you're going to be marrying and decide – a long-term relationship, I, I, you're going to have a long-term relationship. I don't relationship. think a lot of shit matters. Right? That's what I'm saying. I think it's I sad. Do. And it I makes, think you have to talk about that type of stuff because there is I think it's sad that people think it matters so much. Conflict. I mean – There's always going to be conflict though. I think that there is though. a reason why uh, marriage rates or, or divorce rates are, are higher. There's right? a lot and, of I reasons. mean there's a lot Lack of reasons. communication, both, a lot of things. Um, like, uh, institutional reasons. <laughs> And others, but <coughs> you want some water? <clears throat> We're gonna wrap up here in a few minutes anyway. Oh. But um, no, there's a lot of things. It just makes me kind of sad to think that like that people put societal pressures and standards ahead of like actual bonds with other human beings because none of it matters. We just think it does. Like religion matters now, might not in the future. Certain beliefs matter now, political beliefs that matters now. And twenty years from now, there could be people looking back in their lives and be like, "Well, that fucking sucks." But I didn't I go out like with that to, one girl because she voted for Trump. But I would now like to that doesn't argue matter. That people there miss are that. specific things that do matter because they affect the actions that we take. Yeah. Right. If you're highly religious and you have rituals with that religion. Um, you have expectations for what your day and what your weekend and, and uh, how how your weeks are going to go. Yeah. Right. If you're not, then you have other expectations of how that's going to go too. But and if you so, just had the, the expectations the, of just having a conversation with another human being, with not not expecting anything in return, that's when shit changes and things happen. I'm just saying that I don't think it's impossible look- for people of two different um, ideological beliefs. Or, or religious beliefs to get together. Obviously, it does happen. It happens a lot. I'm just More saying than it has, that it takes special to. people to do that. It I takes people it who are very tolerant of each other to yeah, do that. I think it takes it's, – it's a very – Especially bra- if there isn't the expectation of conversion. It's a you very I mean? brave thing to do. And there is a pressure to marry – like to marry out of love is not a luxury a lot of people have in the world. You know, we do in our society more than others. Some people marry for financial uh, reasons, social reasons, like economic reasons. Like there's a lot of reasons why people marry, and it's not always about love. And sometimes that works for people. Some people make marriages last their entire lives. Yeah. Not based on love because you kind of just – you bond with somebody in a different way. And maybe our definitions of love are a little bit different, but I don't think that – love is should be the defining factor of why you get married no i think if you love me and i was a complete piece of shit and couldn't do anything for our family i think that love is a good way to be with like reason to be with someone it is but to expect or to demand a long-term relationship i don't think that love is enough i think you need to have boundaries i think that you need to have um, companionship but that's what love provides love provides 
with like when you really love somebody, you're willing to change things or try to be better to promote the longevity of love, right? So like there are people that love somebody, but then nothing else changes, right? Because that love has its reasons, it's conditional or different things, but this person could just not do anything and Mm -hmm. love somebody. But if they really, really love somebody and want that person around, people aren't fucking stupid. People know what they have to do. You know what I mean? Like, and it's different for everybody. It's not the same for each relationship. Like, I know that for us to sustain our marriage, we have to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. We have to communicate. We have to help each other out. There's a lot of things that we both know we have to do and a lot of lines we don't cross with each other. Like, I know not to disrespect you. You know not to disrespect me. And that and there's different versions of that. Like there's – that doesn't mean like don't talk to me a certain way. Treat me like a man, all that kind of stuff. That's not it. It's just you – like we both know that because we love each other that we respect what the other person wants and what mm-hmm. how the other person thinks. That's it. And you you compromise in between. And I'm not stating to be this person that's super knowledgeable about how to have a successful marriage and all that. But I I feel like I'm – as long as I keep my mind open and listen to you, and sometimes I suck at listening to you. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> There's, well, to be honest, sometimes you don't listen to me at all. You <laughs> yeah, cut me off I, when I talk a lot. I agree too. Right? But that's it. But I don't, I don't see, I don't think of like, I don't sit there and stew when you're gone and be like, man, I don't think this relationship's going anywhere. Selena's always cutting me off when I talk and all this kind of thing. I don't sit there. We don't think about that, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not an important factor. Other things make up for it. You know, like my super awesome sex and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But like, and so like, it's just, it's, and when you, and to be a part of something that seems like it's very, like we're successful at it so far, you want other people to experience that or to be happy. Right. And yeah. I think some people kind of, we've been around people. We've seen it where people kind of like look at us when we're like hanging out and talking. They kind of like, kind of like, they kind of like, kind of look down on or kind of, kind of like, oh, fuck them kind of thing. I've gotten that a lot. I haven't, but I don't have a lot of married friends. Yeah. All my, so. and I'm not saying it's my friends, but when you're around other couples, it's, it's like maybe it's where we position ourselves or where I position are like where we position ourselves along other people we should be p- putting ourselves around people who are more supportive of successful happy relationships mm. but like i also think that like you know kudos to us so far who knows and that's the thing like in the future if something happens you know i'm not like i just watched a video where this guy was talking about i think he was on a podcast was talking about like how him and his wife don't ever think about or say the word divorce around themselves or to their children huh. and because then it's never an option. I'm like, mm. so in my head, I'm like, I get your logic because you, you're really, this is what you really have to do to put it into the physical world to not get a divorce, right? Where all you really need to have is a conversation between you and your wife on a constant basis yeah. and I maintain mean, your relationship. Then it's not a problem. We talk about divorce all the time. Like not speaking a word but to existence like, not is not going to keep a, it from happening. Yeah, I think that's unhealthy. Because what that's the uh, thing is though, it's like – and I get because like what it forces some people to do is like they have to put the work into the relationship. Yeah. But the word – I think th- it's unhealthy though to – put yourself in a position where you feel like you can't even entertain an idea. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, but also to think that like just 
not thinking of the word. Like the word itself is what motivates you to not I mean, get a divorce. The word is just a word. It doesn't really. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. There still is the action of not wanting to be with someone anymore. I'm going to check the time, though, because I just want to make sure you're not waiting on anything. But, yeah, the word... Okay, we'll wrap this up soon. But, yeah, like, the word itself might... Like, that whole thing with them and how him and his wife... And this is completely... I was getting this from his point of view and perspective his wife wasn't there to state how she felt about it or her perspective they might they i think they share the similar view on it and that's why they do their relationship that way but who knows but like for me to think of like me and you've never we could talk about the like we don't talk about the possibility of divorce because that's not our reality we talk about like but we don't know what we're realistic about what's going to happen what we don't know what's going to happen in the future no, I mean, I think the way that we talk about divorce is healthy and the fact that we're not afraid to say it. We're not afraid to be like, oh. Yep, there it goes. Yep. Um, you know, we're not afraid to say like, hey, if we got divorced, would this happen? Yeah. You know, I think that it's it's healthy to be like, you shouldn't be scared of the idea, right? Like, I as a person am going to be okay even if I'm not married to you. I want to be married to you and I like being married to you. So that's why I'm staying married to you. Not because there is no other option available. It's like, it's like having like a goal of a weight, like dangling over your, like, I must get 250 pounds. Right. If I don't get 250 pounds, I'm going to like, it's a, it's a loss. Yeah. It's like your entire goal, your entire marriage shouldn't be just not to maintain not getting divorced. Yeah. Like once you say, oh, yeah, this is not. Speak of the word divorce. Like it's and fucking especially Voldemort I think from around Harry your kids. The idea that like your kids shouldn't know what divorce is. I feel like that's unhealthy in the fact that you're keeping your kids away from um not necessarily like I don't know how traumatizing, you know, divorce is like not everyone has like a traumatic thing about divorce, but like um it's it's like not telling your kids about dying or something you know what i mean like it's like yeah this is a bad thing that happens but like your kids are are well equipped to understand what that means and they will they will find about find out about it from somebody else yeah or another time honestly i don't think divorce is like the biggest deal to learn about about, the divorce is not the worst thing it is about how you handle it yeah right because i think for any child change is like a divorce is a change yeah. Your entire life is going to change. Yeah. And, and sadly, when people get, most people get divorced, it's never a smooth transition. It's, it's like, usually not, you know, usually there is a lot of tension. And I mean, it is like it, they're, they're getting divorced for a reason. So, you know, there is a reason. And that's, to I have think that, that's, that's but, it's hard. Like, how do you, how do you, <clears throat> divorce is hard in my mind because you're dealing with so many emotions. Yeah. You're dealing with a, like a relationship that is ending. Uh-huh. But, you know, most, and not, and I'm sure it's, Different for people who have children and then depending on the age as well than people who don't have children. Yeah. There are people – I hear people talk about like getting divorced and then them sharing custody with their dog. You know, yeah. like <laughs> you should be lucky. Like that sucks. You got a divorce and that's sad. But like the worst case scenario is that you're just sharing custody with your dog. Yeah. You know, but like people who have children depending on the age because, yeah. you know, people get divorced when their child is young and then they just grow up with that being what they know as life, yeah. their life. And their kids that – their parents get divorced when they're 15 and – they're going through physical, mental, emotional changes while their family is going through changes and while their father and mother or 
mothers and fathers are going through emotional changes. Yeah, I mean, like, my parents almost got a divorce when I was around that age, and it's hard. I'm not gonna say it's not. It's and it's the, definitely like it's it can be traumatic, but um, I think that if they had gone through with that and you know ended up both being in good better situations than they had been married as a um as i grew up i would have realized that and been like okay they made the right decision there i mean they didn't and they got back together but that was you know it it is what it is like that's if you got if you feel like you need to get divorced because you can't be with this person anymore or you don't want to be i think that's healthier than trying to hold it together to very true and when you're a child you're in it because you're like you're a part of that relationship you know and then once you once you're an adult that's why like you ever notice like have you ever met somebody who was like in their 30s and their parents got divorced when they're like adults i've never met somebody who like who was an adult when their parents got divorced like the parents got divorced late in their 60s or something but we're like in their 70s and their old age i've never met that but like I, i i think now thinking about it if my parents got divorced and that's what made them happier but in my scenario, it's different because I don't my I never once heard my parents talk about like they talked about divorce and they got in arguments that seemed like oh this is gonna end I'm gonna leave you yeah but like there was never any constant talking or progression of that like it, my parents came from I think from their generation and also their families how they handled because my my dad's parents were together till they were in their seventies and they both passed away a couple years apart mm-hmm. and were married until then but my grandmother was uh i think either got divorced or separated from my grandfather so my mom had divorced parents in the the 80s and 70s yeah and then you know broke that cycle because her and my dad were married yeah so it, you know well she probably maybe she felt pressure about that because she didn't want her family to go through that too true and i think maybe like on top of it marrying into a like a kind of like catholic mm-hmm. kind of base like very how do you say it? Very culturally, they have their views on marriage. Like you make – try to make it work as much as possible. You can hate that person, but you stay married. You got to make it work for God. And some people did it. Some people don't. Yeah. You know, I have relatives that did get divorced even though they're like severely Catholic and grew up that way. But I think that's better. It's better no matter what to separate yourself from a situation that doesn't make either party happy. I think so too. And it's rough when you have kids because you're like – you got to think of like – I know it does cross people's minds of like what do we do for the kids? Nobody knows. You don't know how they're going to handle it. The The only thing you should try to do is to – no matter what negative feelings you're you're having towards each other, you have to try your best to balance things out and be there for your, both your kids. And the only way – and the best way that you can not being with each other. Yeah. If anything, it should encourage both individuals to strive to be better and to – kind of try to either be a better co-parent or a better parent yeah i don't know it's just you know it's it's um, complicated stuff i knew a family who um had a divorced had divorced i don't know how early they had divorced or anything but they seemed to have like a pretty cordial relationship and they you know traded off with their daughter about like who had custody each week. There was a different, you know, one went to this parent's house, the other one went to that parent's house. Mm-hmm. And they were very cordial about it. You know, whatever feelings they had towards each other, they didn't take that out on their daughter. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's, it's nice when you see that happening. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. It's just like, I, it's hard to like state my opinion on things 
because I, I just try to go off what I, what how things feel towards me, but I also can't relate because I've never been through it. But Selena, thank you for talking with me. It's always very nice. It's weird ending these podcasts with you because I, you know it's always like a farewell to a guest, but I'm gonna see you in like a little bit after I go get the kids. Yeah, so it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really. It's always really nice talking to you on and off mic. It's always a pleasure. And it's kind of weird how this one went because, you know, we started off with talking about Stranger Things, talking about just daily life shit. But conversations, that's how they end up. <laughs> they just kind of roll. Yeah. But uh, thank you guys for everybody who's subscribing to The Wild Weird on Instagram, Twitter, all social medias. Uh, remember, if – uh, follow us on YouTube. Every, all the links are in the wild, on the Wild Weird Instagram. Just click on the link. It'll give you uh, the link tree to everything. Um, and if you guys want to donate to support the pod, feel free. We do have a um, kind of a donation to keep the podcast going to show your support. But just follow any way you'd like. Remember to tell a friend. That's how this thing grows as you guys share it and just tell – everybody about it and keep listening if you guys like what you hear if you guys have any suggestions dm uh dm me at the wild on the wild weird on instagram i don't even i keep saying like at or like on i can't tell is it at at the wild weird i think it's at yeah well it is that's how it's written on instagram let's yeah. like your thing okay so dm me at the wild weird on instagram um thank you guys appreciate everybody who's listened to the podcast um got it couple new cool guests coming in the future um next week i am talking to musician solitaire and it's going to be a very fun and interesting conversation i've been really enjoying talking to bands mm -hmm. and i enjoy talking to everybody you know but i enjoy talking to my wife she's super awesome and i always have fun talking to you i always have fun talking to you too hun i love how your voice is like it's super quiet. You're like, Greg, I want to fuck you, but we're on the mic, so I can't. <laughs> but um, thank you, guys. Have a oh, good day. You're so awful. Bye. I know I'm awkward. Bye. <laughs>